This is from Justin McCain, a podcast where Mike Robertson and Bob LaRue watch one critically acclaimed film and one terrible film and talk about how they are the same. everybody welcome to from justin to kane uh i am mike and i'm bob and uh we're doing a special episode this week it is the first annual gump cast yeah we've been talking about this for two years also yeah and we're so this is finally doing it so basically we're not comparing any movies we're not doing the usual format even though we'll have played the intro by this point that tells you what the podcast is we're not doing that so it's all you if that's what you want damn canines um no, what we're actually going to do is we're just going to talk about Forrest Gump. We both watched Forrest Gump, and we're we're both going to chat about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, full disclosure, I watched half of it, and it's still <laughs> frozen on my TV in the room where I record this podcast. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm not as well researched as Mike is. You can, but you be- know what? But my my viewing's the freshest of the two. You of can us. play it in your background. Like, don't, turn the sound off, maybe, or something, and then you can just kind of occasionally look at it if you want. I think my conversation will suffer because I get distracted by screens. Yeah, I guess so. It's been a couple of years, but you haven't sat in a bar with me, Mike, where there's, like, sports on a TV. Yeah. Because I just won't look at you. I'll just stare at a TV, even though I don't watch sports. Anyways. Uh, Forrest Gump. Well, let's talk about the impetus for this episode, Mike, because you brought this to my attention. What's that? That... The the film has been uh, wrongly evaluated since it came out. Mm. Or there's like a school of thought that the film is actually something else. It's like a scathing satire. Well, I, I think that the movie is fascinating because the, uh, yeah, because of the fact that everybody kind of reads into it what they want. Like people just kind of don't get it because of their own politics, I guess, or their own worldview. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, the movie, I think, is like often misinterpreted by conservative people because they see Forrest Gump as like a as like a hero, and it it kind of reinforces patriot patriotic values and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and 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 then also Jenny, who kind of represents like the left wing kind of hippies, uh, she's punished for just existing. For for being a like a lefty and a bohemian, she's definitely punished yeah, multiple exactly. times. Whereas Gump only is awarded success, so it basically reaffirms your kind of I don't know Republican values, I guess, if you're living in the states. But uh, I also think you can look at it the other way, where Gump is kind of like he falls ass backwards upwards his entire life, and you're supposed to think that that is like you know satirical. That's obviously the point, kind of, is that Gump is just dumb luck personified. And, yeah. Well, uh, it's it's like a really uh, reductive interpretation of the American dream. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. This, like American society is so kind to people in quotes, even though it's mm-hmm. to a very select few. But it's like so kind to you that you literally, yeah, you just literally walk in any direction, and something good happens to you. Yeah. You become a fucking like uh, running back. 
on a football team, you go to college, you go to the Vietnam War, you win. And like the fact that he's blissfully unaware of anything that's happening to him at all times. Yeah. That yet he he's rewarded constantly. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's also exploited by institutions throughout the whole movie too. Like the the military exploits him and he's seen as like a, a war hero even though he doesn't understand what's going on in Vietnam and mm-hmm. is just like obedient to a fault and the yeah. war yeah the people in the military just love him because he's he's like so dumb and he's so obedient that he's kind of a military savant in some way well another thing that i think is interesting is like the depiction of this character is apolitical cuz he's neither conservative nor liberal He's nowhere on the spectrum because he's so blissfully unaware of what's going on. Exactly. So, like, even when he gives a speech about the war um, in D.C., mm-hmm. he, and nobody hears it except for that one guy who's like, you said it all, man. We don't know what he said, but he doesn't even realize that he's at an anti-war rally. Exactly, yeah. But he, he talks about it, and then it's, like, poignant to the very few people who could hear it. And then he runs into Jenny and stuff. But he's just so unaware of anything. He doesn't even understand what's going on when he's with the Black Panthers. He's just upset at that one guy for slapping Jenny. Yeah. Um, it, it's just odd. The film is like apolitical while also seemingly it can be hyper-conservative or like liberal satire all at the same time. I think exactly. there's like a lot of complexity to the interpretation of this film. But I want to say I don't think Robert Zemeckis is that smart. No. I don't think he made this as a satire. As I watch the film now, I don't see it. I think it's like uh, it's a really sort of uh, genuine, uh, heartfelt film. That was the intention behind it. I don't know. I think that he. I think that he has. I. I've. I tried to find some sort of documentation that discussed his um, politics in relation to this film, and I couldn't really find anything. And I didn't mm. go out of my way to listen to the audio commentary, right? Because um, I don't have a this movie on a disc on david day yeah i i don't actually have any sort of like written word that says or in any or an interview or anything with robert zemeckis talking about what he actually thinks about the film or what his intention was um i do know that he is like a political guy Mm -hmm. like he's a staunch democrat as it were although Mm -hmm. you know uh a lot of people also believe that there's not a difference really between the Democrats and the Republicans, or at least there wasn't when this movie was made, there wasn't that much of a difference. Yeah. Uh, whereas now it's like, there isn't a difference in a way, but then also the Republicans are terrifying <laughs> just in how they view the world. Well, it's just, things are more polarized now than they exactly. were in the early nineties when this movie came out. And that's also, uh, some people read this film as like a call for unity in a, non-divided america like america wasn't really as divided as as it is now i remember the 90s and you know people didn't like clinton but he still kind of did a lot of the same stuff that bush did Mm -hmm. so uh he made the situation worse you know in terms of um the school to prison pipeline and all that stuff um yeah the people think it is a call for unity because of like how jenny and forrest are kind of represented He's like a guy in military outfit all the time and she's a hippie, you know, but they still love each other and we learn uh, that this is what America is, man. I think, yeah, you could definitely interpret the film as as that sort of the core message or theme. Yeah, because uh, also, yeah, I think maybe at this point Zemeckis was probably at that point where he was a boomer who was like, I'm going to make this movie that's like really 
positive and sentimental and stuff and is like a kind of a, a call for unity to Americans who at that point didn't know how divided they could possibly get. Yeah. Yeah. So, also speaking of like um, divided America and also the movie not aging well is um, Forrest Gump's Bubba Gump hat is red and it's hard to not be like triggered by someone sitting on a boat in Alabama wearing With a, a red, red hat, hat, white text. Yeah. And he, he got his uh, fortune from like after his dead black friend, you know, passed. Yeah. Who came, whose family came from slavery. Yes, which is depicted in the film. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just that, like, probably wasn't thought about. And it doesn't, just seeing him wearing that red hat is just kind of like, oh, yeah, Forrest would probably vote for Trump just because, I mean, would Forrest vote, I guess, is the question. He seems bizarrely apolitical. I stand by it. I feel like he wouldn't vote. No. He also doesn't pay taxes, I guarantee it. You know, probably not, yeah. Yeah. He's like wealthy beyond measure. So of course he doesn't. Yeah. Like at the end yeah. of the movie, he just talks about how he monologues to someone at the, on the bench about how uh, I don't have to worry about money anymore. I have so much of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he probably doesn't pay taxes for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. It's a, it's a bizarre watch. I remember watching the film as a kid and just kind of taking everything at face value. Mm-hmm. But as I've become a, I hope, smarter person as I get older, there's a lot of, every moment of the film feels like it has like multiple angles you can interpret the moment yeah. with. And uh, it makes for a really confusing watch because I don't know what the central conceit is really. <laughs> Even though like on the face value of it, on the surface, it very much just feels like a heartfelt film. Yes. And the messaging is as blunt as it comes across. Mm-hmm. You peel back one layer. Let's get into an onion metaphor here because Shrek doesn't get enough credence. Yes, of um, course. Of course, I agree. Yes. Uh, you peel back one layer and it really starts to get dicey. This movie falls apart if you sort of have any intellectual exercise with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fascinating that everyone he cares about dies. Yes. Uh, well, Mama even says death is a part of life and that's like a big message in the film. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't die. He doesn't die. Everyone around him dies. Literally everyone, yeah, around him dies. Although you, Lieutenant Dan doesn't die. That's true. He but makes it he, through, but he uh, wants A version to die. of him dies. Oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. Right. And the version he wanted to be dies. But then, obviously, his, like, character arc improves. He becomes a shrimp guy and mm-hmm. all that shit. Yeah, I... I I don't know. It's 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 a bizarre film. And like you said, you know, he basically is exploited by multiple institutions without ever realizing it. And then yeah. he comes out on top anyways. Yeah. So he's like exploited yet wins. Yeah, but he yeah, he yeah, he wins by the end and he uh, obtains a vast fortune, but I guess that's like as you said, he, it's like the American dream. He's like the American dream, just like someone who falls ass backwards upwards. And then uh, his success is measured by money. Mm-hmm. So we know how um, successful Forrest is because of how much money he has. Uh, but then also Forrest is so dumb that he doesn't care about money or he's just naive or something like that. Like he's a millionaire or multi or billionaire or whatever, but he doesn't care about money, which is like yeah. in some ways I think kind of biting that you can be like a, a capitalist like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. Well, I, I I think there's an angle to this film that's like deeply Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just in terms of like he saves himself for one person. Yes. He's monogamous the entire film. Yes. He has a family. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Go on. And uh, and like he never uh, he sort of I think lives this bizarrely even though he's apolitical he's like hyper moral the whole time. So like Jenny doesn't have like clothes on. She's playing the guitar. She's in Playboy, and she's sort of the opposite of him. But he's never inappropriate. Even you no. know it's New Year's Eve, and he's gonna like have sex with that lady, or she tries to, and then he gets all weirded out, and then they get rid of the two mm-hmm. women on New Year's Eve in Lieutenant Dan's apartment. Like he's definitely just like this very moral yet apolitical character that never really crosses the line. Like even in Vietnam, he doesn't kill anyone. He saves all of his platoon. Yeah. And then he's awarded for it. Yeah. And then his like, maybe the most risque thing he does is flashing the president, but the president says that weird line where he's like, oh, I'd like to see that about the Mm -hmm. bullet hole in his butt cheek. He's asexual. He's asexual. Apolitical. Apolitical. Amoral? Mm. No, he's moral. I guess he's got like deep Christian morals. Well, he, the thing is he trusts and believes in everybody like i think Mm -hmm. every person he meets he thinks is like good of spirit Mm -hmm. uh and he he doesn't see anybody as evil and that's kind of what's interesting is like he is stupid we're reminded of that all the time Mm -hmm. but don't call him stupid no but is like (laughs) is he is he as altruistic and caring as he is because he's so stupid like i guess is like is that i'm wondering if that question if the movie is asking that question is like can Gump be that like if he was not so dumb would he be as kind of conniving and calculating as everybody else that he encounters you know that's an because everybody exploits him uh whereas if he was smarter he would know that he was being exploited and then also he might exploit others yeah that's interesting but i think the film maybe attacks that idea because his stupidity rewards him by the end of the film right but and he gets further ahead than anyone else Mm mm-hmm but it's only because he lets himself be, he un- he unknowingly lets himself be kind of uh, exploited. Right. But also, that's not how it works in most of America, I don't think. People who are exploited no. all the time are exploited, and then they don't win. They're not, they're not multi-billionaires or whatever at the end. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Frick, man, I don't know either. That's a really interesting idea. I think... Maybe maybe the issue this film has is that there is no, like... Because, again, I really don't think I can give it... Like, I can't endow the film with, like, the self-awareness that it's sort of a scathing satire mm-hmm. of American culture. I just don't think the film's that smart. I think it's a muddled hodgepodge of different ideas smushed into a fairy tale. Yeah. Depicting the American dream, the white American dream. Yes, the white uh, American dream, the, yes. The deep south white american dream and mm-hmm. i don't think i just don't think it's that smart maybe the book was i don't know you probably know more about the book than i do what what's what's the book all about a little background i as a teen loved this movie don't know mm-hmm. why i loved it i just loved it um mm-hmm. i watched this movie all the time we bought a vhs cassette from costco watched Whoa. it watched it maybe every week for a while there was costco in the 70s oh wow wow <laughs> sick burn boo yeah yeah basically i'm i'm living the same timeline as forrest gump i guess you're you're yeah you were born in the same year forrest was i was so yeah i used to watch this movie all the time and then i read the book 
written by Winston Groom is his name, who apparently was exploited himself. They made the movie and then through, you know, the classic Hollywood accounting, supposedly he only ever got his original fee. He never got any points, even though he had made an agreement. So he made an agreement for points, but they just never paid him because according to the studios, the film never made a profit. What? Yeah. Oh, what a crock of shit. So anyway, uh, and I read the sequel, Gump and Company, which came out years later, and Gump is aware that there was a movie made about him, and it's kind of a more cynical take on things, I guess. Weird. So yeah, the book is super cynical, The book, and it's definitely like a scathing satire, although I haven't read it in a long time, and a lot of people say that it has aged poorly and uh, that it's a little too on the nose. It's not nuanced? Well, the thing about the movie is, is that it renders Gump as kind of a uh, well-rounded character who you have an emotional connection to. Mm-hmm. And you like, it's like a weird balance of you're supposed to judge him somewhat for his actions because he's so stupid. Uh, but then also you feel bad for him. And the book is like Gump is like, uh, he's like an idiot and you know that you're supposed to think he's sucks, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, whereas in the movie, everybody loves Gump. Yeah, he's universally loved. Even, you know, that lady on the bus bench, mm-hmm. she's reading People magazine and she's like not into it. Yeah. By the end, she is before mm-hmm. she gets on the nine or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, fuck. Um, Crazy. So, yeah, and the book is more of a comedy. Oh, really? Whereas this movie, this movie kind of is like reads as a drama with like a couple of comedic moments that are mm-hmm. a little too like on the nose and dumb. Mm-hmm. Like every joke is like Forrest not understanding something because he's stupid or remember this pop culture thing? Here it is. So like that's all of the comedy in the movie. Yeah. Uh, whereas the book, the situations are more uh, wild. And so he's in more com- comedic situations plus also. I think just how stupid he is is played for laughs a little bit more. Uh, and he's exploited in a, in grander ways. So I can read a, a couple of uh, things from the book. Not excerpts, but just like, here's some of the things that happen in the book that don't happen in the movie. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Uh, so he and Jenny start a folk band when they're in college. What? He flunks out of college, becomes an astronaut. He crashes into... And he's he, he's an astronaut, and he's uh, one of his like shipmates is uh, a monkey, uh, or an orangutan named oh Sue. Oh my god! A boy orangutan named Sue. Uh, the he crashes his spaceship and gets abducted by cannibals. He becomes a wrestler. He's a stuntman in a movie who has like a um, relationship with Ra- Raquel Welch. Uh, he becomes a chess champion. He does do the shrimping boat and the ping pong thing. He doesn't, I don't think he runs across the country. Does he fight in Vietnam? He does fight in Vietnam. That's a big part of it, yeah. Okay. What um, the fuck? Because the Vietnam stuff, it feels like, is the like the most kind of, I don't know, political part or the most satirical part. Because like, at this point, you know, in the, the book came out in the mid-80s. So at that point, we'd all had an opinion about the Vietnam War. Yeah. And by the 90s, there was like a, an opinion about it, but then also a nostalgia for it, question mark, when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. So, And then at the end of the book, Forrest uh, ends up with Lieutenant Dan and the, and the orangutan living together. Uh, and then he, be, he starts to live his life as a, he does a one-man band, 
Like, you know, where what? you're hitting the drum and doing the thing? Begging for <laughs> Playing change. Playing the guitar, harmonica, and a foot tambourine all at the same time. Yeah, and then he's like, supposedly he's just kind of uh, poor. And he sleeps he sleeps outside as a guy who's just begging for change. So, like, the movie, I think, works because he succeeds to the point where he doesn't, he has so much money he doesn't know what to do with. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe it both works. I guess it depends on what you think the movie's about. Because to me, the movie seems to be just about dumb luck. You know, because he's like a, you know, he's a feather floating on the wind. Mm-hmm. So, he, well, he's just along for the ride. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whatever happens, happens. I think the movie does kind of reinforce the, its message so many times. It's just easy to get confused by it sometimes because there's so many other things happening. But mm-hmm. yeah. So, just whatever happens, happens is, I guess, the message. Shit happens, I guess. As they shit say. happens. And sometimes it's good shit. Sometimes it's bad shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I think maybe to, to like counter that point, the shit doesn't always happen because he definitely intervenes in Lieutenant Dan's life yeah. in a way that contradicts the central theme of the movie. How so? He very much intervenes because Lieutenant Dan plans to die. He calls that airstrike to get the napalm uh-huh. in that jungle so that you know his, his platoon can get out, but he's going to die and that's his family destiny. And then Forrest Gump ruins that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's this sort of contradicting idea that Forrest Gump changes the lives of several people. Like even um, Bubba, he changes Bubba's life because because they become good friends and then he holds him while he dies. Yeah. He changes Lieutenant Dan's life. He changes Jenny's life. Mm-hmm. And he also affects the people on the park bench. So he's even though he's along for the ride, he's affecting great change in random people's lives. Yeah, that's. but I think that still tracks, though, because remember... Lieutenant Dan pulls him onto the ground when they're in the hospital. And yes. he's just like, it was my destiny. He just keeps saying destiny a million times. And yeah. You hear the word destiny throughout the whole film. And one would be convinced that the film is about that. But I think that Lieutenant Dan is affected by Gump because he believes in his own destiny. But Lieutenant Dan is ultimately wrong, I guess, because he didn't know he was going to encounter Forrest Gump and that his life was going to change ultimately for the better. Yeah, yeah. Because he believed true. he believed his destiny was to die on the battlefield, which is I guess mm-hmm. kind of an insane thing to believe. But that's really what he wanted. And then by the end of the movie he learns that he want, maybe was wrong. And that's kinda like Lieutenant Dan has an arc, whereas Gump doesn't, because Gump just Gump floats never through changes. Life. He never changes, he just goes through life. So Yeah. Uh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, there's so many things. You could read into it in a million different ways, I guess. Um, but then also, I think any satire or any like particular message is kind of ruined a little bit by how sentimental the film is. Yeah. Well, it's overly sentimental. And yeah. I think the sentimentality discredits anything trying to be said by the film. Yeah. Like even just coming down to the scoring, mm-hmm. the score of the film and Tom Hanks's portrayal I think both of them lend to this just like sentimental family classic. And mm-hmm. so there is nothing scathing about it. There's nothing satirical about it. And nobody's watching it with that lens mm-hmm. because that's not how it was packaged. Even though the book sounds way more fucked in oh, like yeah. a good way. Well, also you know Forrest I mean? Gump says racial slurs in the book. Oh, really? Whereas wow. this movie really like cleans up like the race politics in the, in the yes. movie. Yeah. Uh, to say nothing of the Black Panther scene where he encounters the Black Panthers and he's just like, have fun at your Black Panther party. And, then, yeah. and like doesn't do anything with them. Yeah. And it's just like, look at these guys. Remember the Black Panthers? 
Wasn't that crazy? Um, well, he's well, he's like um, again how he's apolitical. I think he's like not thinking about race ever. Yeah. So the film depicts him, and he's like, "Oh, friends with Bubba," and they they become buddies, and it's he, that's his best friend. And I think maybe that's the attempt in the film to be like, "Oh, Forrest like isn't racist." No. But then he's also just like a deep South white guy. And he sort of stumbles into different racial moments, like with his university. Yeah. Um, he just sort of grabs the book and, and gives it to that woman. And yeah. It's like, oh, look, Forrest is like not a racist. Yeah. But then, he, he's just not thinking. He's not even cognizant of it. And by virtue of that, he is racist. He's blissfully unaware. Interesting. Because even the Black Panther, he's like, he's like, I'm sorry, I had a fight in your Black Panther party. And then he leaves. He doesn't know what the Black Panthers are. And he's no. not listening to that guy who's monologizing about what they stand for. Mm-hmm. He's just looking at Jenny. So he's not even listening. So it just little moments like that, I, I think, depict him sort of as somebody who's totally passive. Exactly. About something that's like historically super important and like more relevant now than ever. Well, yeah. And the I mean, going back to the thing about Baba's family all coming from slavery. Yep. Um, but then she's he understands it is they knew how to make shrimp for people. They made shrimp for people, and like the shrimp is kind of like uh, the code for slavery in some ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's interesting that he has like a s- shrimp fortune off of that, and the movie doesn't necessarily judge him for it. In fact, well, I guess it depends what you pers- think the movie is saying. Yeah, he's he becomes rich off of shrimp, which I don't know. The movie seems to code the shrimp as slavery and so he becomes rich on the backs of and also he's the only person who survives the storm so everybody else in alabama uh theoretically a lot of you know black uh shrimp boat people Mm -hmm. are their lives are devastated then forest is rich (laughs) yeah like what's up with that yeah so i mean you can see that as like very very biting satire if you read it that way Mm -hmm. or or you can just ignore it and be like he made a lot of money Forest one. I well, it's it's like that's how it's depicted, you know. Mm. I think even with satire, there needs to be some sort of infusion of like self awareness. Yeah. Or or how it's lensed needs to be a particular way so that audiences do know they're like, Oh yes, this is satire. Yeah. At no point does it really overtly say like this is satire. They but just I love when satire say this is satire to me. <laughs> When well, you know, it's it's not as overt as that, but I think all all great satire is like depicted in such a way that you can tell, like just even how you're describing the book, it sounds infinitely more exaggerated and satirical yeah. than the film, right? The film is sort of like this, like the classic sort of 90s family Southern, you know, fried green tomatoes vibe mm. where it's like, yeah, we're rural. We got an old like... uh uh, like cotton farm as our yeah. backdrop and we're going to tell this family drama. That's like a classic nineties thing that happened quite a bit with many films. Yeah. Horse Gump being one of them. Yeah. There was, this did come out in a time when like there was a, uh, well, I mean there was a nostalgia boom for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially like Jurassic Park, super nostalgic for dinosaurs. Am I yes, right? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it did come out in a time when there was a lot of nostalgia, but then also, there was a lot of movies that kind of played on that kind of homespun rural kind of, I don't know. I think we talked about it, how in Alberta there's like a film industry where there's people who are making uh, movies about 
like there's people in the from the cities who are making movies about people in the rural areas and it's kind of like yeah. this weird rural porn where well it's 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 like a fetishizing yeah exactly thing of rural life but yeah. through the lens of somebody who's never actually done it yeah because it's everything is more optimistic or pleasant than it actually is oh yeah 100 percent. oh i mean if you just look at the politics in our province you know things are not optimistic no no once uh, once you leave the cities you get the um the anti-abortion signs you know oh rampant yeah yeah everywhere. Well, we have a bible belt yeah and then people are uh voting for the terrible terrible conservative party you know mm -hmm. in our province that are, is actively ruining the province during a crisis like so i don't know i mean i guess if you're a canine and you don't share our politics then you might disagree but um, and this is a wild episode. This goodness. is a wild episode for you, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Just like the, the flyover states, as they're called, that people from the cities would just judge all the time. There's also uh, they do kind of fetishize them a little bit, just because mm -hmm. like oh, it's a, they're they're a good symbol for that kind of homespun idiot wisdom. Well, we could go on and on about the film, but I, I think we should talk about specific details of the movie. Like, I'd love to rattle off just sort of like what's terrible, what like because the film is just filled with terrible things that happens to Forrest. Yes. Yeah. And it would be fun to talk about that because, again, the film is so positive, mm -hmm. yet it is 98% of it are only bad things. Yeah, only but terrible because things he's so happen. dumb. They seem good. Yes. And that's sort of an odd portrayal to have in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what... Because, like, basically, so his childhood, he's bullied for 18 years. Yes. That's the first thing. He's literally constantly bullied. But because he's bullied, he learns to run. He loses his leg braces. Mm -hmm. He meets Jenny. And he becomes a running back. Yeah. All from being constantly bullied. So the film is like, well, even out of this horrific childhood trauma, you also get to, uh, you know, do some cool shit. And that's ridiculous. Well, but then also look at Jenny, who also comes from trauma. She comes from even worse trauma, I guess. Like, oh, yeah, Forrest was absolutely. just bullied and he's dumb. Uh, and he had, like, bad spinal issues. But also his kid. mom had to have sex with his school principal so that he could stay in public school instead yeah. of going to, like, a, a different school because his IQ is only 75. Exactly. But yeah, Jenny's Jenny's background, like an abusive father. Well, her no dad mom. sexually abused abused her. Like yeah, and her made siblings. very clear. Yeah, her mom yeah. died. Uh, her dad was an alcoholic, and, and she's clearly poor. She's clearly very very poor. Yeah, uh, and so she she lives a life of of trauma uh, mm -hmm. essentially, and she also just kind of like. I guess she kind of actively makes choices. Maybe we don't, I'm not really sure what Jenny does in the movie. Like, does she make choices or does she, is she a feather on the wind? Like Forrest? She's a feather on the wind, but deliberately like she yeah. puts her foot down and she's like, I'm not going to like uh, work. I'm going to be a performer. I'm going to travel across the country by hitchhiking. I'm going to play guitar. I'm going to like just be super political. She, she, so she's like actively, a feather in the wind, whereas mm -hmm. he is just literally just doing whatever the fuck happens. Yeah. And he has no deliberateness to it, right? Like literally everything is handed to him. 
the football team, the army, even the Bubba Gump thing is handed to him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess it really, de- but the thing is, uh, Jenny's life, I guess it really depends on, again, what your kind of moral lens is when you're watching this movie, because mm-hmm. you could look at Jenny and be like, she's doing cool stuff. Like she's living, oh, yeah. a su- she's living a sweet life. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you could be like, she is only making bad choices. I think the movie kind of gives you a feeling even, I don't know how intentional it was, but it gives you the feeling that you're supposed to kind of like judge Jenny a little bit or that her choices are bad choices or whatever. Like she's falling on hard times or she's just, yeah, she's putting herself in danger a lot of the time. Well, and she's saved by Forrest. And she's saved by Forrest. Right. So like that savior complex is very much depicted in the film Mm -hmm. unironically. Yes. And she's saved by him and he waits for her to do all this shit that you could look at as being like pretty stupid Mm -hmm. or fruitless. And then she dies of AIDS. Yeah. So what a character arc. Am (laughs) I right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it really just proves my thesis that movies are just watching stuff happen because (laughs) because <laughs> in Forrest Gump, you're right. He's just like he, the the backbone of the film is as crooked as a politician. Mm-hmm. But then also um, the backbone of the film is like Jenny is is what I'm to understand from reading like a, an interview with the, the, the writer of the film, mm. uh, which it wasn't so much in the book. Jenny was kind of like a side character, whereas in the movie, Jenny is always kind of everything kind of comes back to her mm-hmm. uh, because got to have a love interest. And then in the meantime, in the moments between Jenny, you're just watching Forrest kind of do random stuff. Well, well, this film more than others is literally just a list of things happening. Like it very much felt like they 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 picked like a few decades and they're like, let's just do let, let let's just touch on all the major events that happened between these thirty years. Yeah. And instead of having like a character arc, it's just like he did this and then he did this and remember this and it's just like a really sloppy history lesson through the lens of a guy who's stupid. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think that Forrest himself needs a, a character arc because both Jenny and Lieutenant Dan seem to. Mm-hmm. Mama doesn't really, Even though I the guess. film's called Forrest Gump? Yeah, it's really- And it's uh, about him? Two. Yeah, I guess it's kind of just about America. Yeah, just the, the two sides of America, the ones that favor the war and the ones that don't favor the war and how those kind of two people evolve. I have a central conceit to- offer sure the film's theme is there's no need for you to change because the world will mm. and everyone who changes has bad stuff happen to them interesting like jenny and lieutenant dan lieutenant Dan. i've what we need more forrest gump impressions mike i think you should try to you know every minute or so just just say something in in the gump jenny, i've been doing <laughs> forrest gump impressions since i was like nine yeah, I know. Um, I can hear it. I can hear the quality, the practiced tone. Uh, to go back to like the dark stuff in the movie, because the movie yeah. is just nothing but just dark. Riddled with. Well, horrific. Forrest himself is named after the KKK founder. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's Which right. Is, like, Again, very kind of, a like um, uh, ambivalent on race well, issues but and racial history. Th- that part is in the movie. I mean, in the in the book, it's very clear what is what they're trying to say about that. Like, mm-hmm. whereas in, uh, you know, just like he's named after this person, and then he falls ass backwards up where upwards. He's you know, this is this is the American dream. This is America personified. Just a mm-hmm. dumb idiot who's racist. Um, in the movie, it's kind of 
it's kind of uh, smoothed over a little bit because he says his mom named him after that just to remind him of that you you can make some mistakes i guess yeah which uh seems i was confused strange. by that line yeah i was really confused i was like what does that mean i think that they were struggling to justify what he's named after <laughs> I love that there's a clip of Tom Hanks putting on a Ku Klux Klan hood yeah. and then riding around with a bunch of people on horseback. Right, right. I love that Tom Hanks has that in his filmography oh, I know, as a I know. scene. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, but the the inclusion of it makes me think that the movie is more satirical than most people interpreted it as mm. because it is, it's not ignoring that. It's, it's saying, oh, yeah, Forrest is, he comes from he benefits from and he comes from racism but it just doesn't make sense to me why his mom would name him after the founder of the kkk even if that's in the family as a reminder that of what like well, it just doesn't as a make reminder any sense. That, that people make bad choices but why like that's like makes oh, good i'm choices. gonna name my kid after something bad just to reinforce that it's bad and yeah. that it we shouldn't that does, that's stupid that's a ridiculous I know, it's thing really to stupid do. yeah it is really dumb, and that's kind of like Fuck. right off the top. The movie kind of makes uh, uh, an insane choice. It, it starts runs to with, fall apart runs with, right out of the get go. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's like a terrible thing. Uh, it, in the book, he uses racial slurs, but in the movie, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't even know. Yeah, when the guy says, you know, uh, he thinks they're talking about raccoons. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. scene was pretty clunky. That whole scene was clunky, though. Like yeah. again, very much. It was like, oh, he's just completely unaware and ambivalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about how he has a dangerously low IQ, how his mom prostitutes herself, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But also, I think in that scene, the prince, like we're obviously supposed to judge the institution instead of Forrest. Are we supposed to judge Mama for, for doing that? She doesn't seem to care. She just wants Forrest to succeed. And then she realizes she has to make a choice at some point about whether he can succeed because the institution wants to push him down. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, we're, we're to believe that his dad left them on mm-hmm. vacation, they say. And never came back. Yeah. Forrest, Forrest meets Elvis and then die, uh, Elvis dies. Yeah. And then, yeah, so in the movie, every time that Forrest meets a famous person. They die. They, they die. Uh, and then also Forrest is like, that person died. You know, it's so like, here's, this guy here's was what's a, interesting. He was a musician though. and he died. What's interesting is he meets a bunch of political figures who are all shot to death yeah there's a lot of presidents being shot in this movie that could suggest a certain political angle but again it's dealt with in such a apolitical way that you don't really there's nothing to glean from it yeah he's just like i don't know why he just got shot (laughs) in the head and then his little brother also got a shot but in a bathroom or the kitchen or whatever the fuck in a hotel and then john lennon gets shot it's insane but just the fact that they're showing this one after the other i think in a way it kind of reinforces just how how much turmoil is going on in the united states for that period of time so well yeah yeah so it's a good reminder slash it's like this movie's a nostalgic, you know, trip through history, through American history, but then also it really just kind of is like like look at all these people who got shot in such a small period of time. Isn't that kind mm-hmm. of that's kind of nuts. Like America's effed, I guess is in some ways what the point is. A yes and no. 
because the film ends and he's just like rich and has a little boy he loves who likes playing ping pong and is mm-hmm. really smart. Yeah, but Forrest Gump gets out of it just by dumb luck, I think. He just succeeds. Maybe because he's stupid, maybe because he is some sort of god, or maybe it's because he just is like a feather on the wind and it just worked out for him. Mm-hmm. Um, more dark stuff that happens in the film. Jenny is put into foster care because her parents abused or her dad abused her and his and her sister, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the civil rights stuff. Um, president Wallace is shot. We talked about some of the presidents. JFK is shot. Uh, RFK is shot. Uh, to say John nothing, Lennon is shot. John Lennon. Well, they don't see him, but they talk about how he gets shot. Also, the John Lennon scene was terrible. That was like oh. the worst. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the worst part of the movie. He's being inspired for the lyrics to imagine while he's talking to Forrest Gump about playing ping pong in China. So stupid. A little too on the note. Like it just, it was, that was a stretch for sure. Yeah. And it wasn't done super well. Like they CG'd his mouth and you yeah. can see it. And well, it looked bad. And... It was impressive in 1994, but yeah, it, that, that but kind of you technology know what? doesn't age well. Nobody can do it better than Citizen Kane when, um, Charles Foster Kane is with Adolf Hitler. That's right. Yeah. That, that scene was done so well. And that yeah. was 1940. Yeah. Um, Jenny is assaulted in a car and mm-hmm. Forrest saves her. Very similar to Back to the Future. Robert Zemeckis seems to like sexual assault in cars mm-hmm. um, for some reason as like a- You can make a whole video essay on it probably. Probably, yeah. Uh, there's a scene where Forrest jizzes his pants. Not really a dark scene, but remember that? <laughs> Uh, like Jenny touches me, Jenny touches his arm and then he just like oh, I'm sorry right. he, he, he ruined he his comes his jorts yeah, yeah 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 so it kind of speaks to just kind of how he's like an incel maybe that's not language we would have used in the 90s but he no but incels existed before the internet well I mean he's an incel in that but he's I don't know is he voluntarily celibate he would only seem to have sex if someone else suggested it to him because he doesn't he's seem definitely to understand what voluntarily celibate because people make advances with him oh right yeah so he's a vol- so no he's not an incel by virtue of the fact that he could get laid yeah he could uh he just chooses not to which again i think leans towards like a hyper christian sort of view and behavior of the world yeah um also in the book to go back to the jfk assassination uh in the book uh forrest gump also runs for president and oh, like, succeeds wow. Uh, actually, I don't remember if he becomes president, but his slogan is "I have to pee." So, like the scene in the movie where he's like, "I got to pee" because he drinks all the Dr Pepper. That's yeah. just like, you know, moved. They move on from it. Whereas in the book, the "I have to pee" is like his slogan. This sounds like a Joseph Keller novel, uh, like Catch Twenty Two. No, like, Joseph like, Heller. So... What? Joseph Heller. Oh, Heller. Yeah, You're yeah. Thinking yeah. of Helen Keller, and <laughs> <laughs> you're combining the two. <laughs> That blind and deaf author, yeah, who wrote Catch Twenty Two, um, yeah, Joseph Heller. It's sound, it's so like scathing and like exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Or um, even like, uh, yeah. Anyways, continue. Uh, Forrest joins the army and is mm-hmm. raises and is seen as a genius because he's so obedient. His uh, drill sergeant calls him the F word for gays. That's something that's terrible that happens in the movie. That's true. Um, Baba, he meets, he meets Baba who seems to be another idiot. Uh, and people call him Baba like a redneck boy is what Baba says. So Baba mm-hmm. is like, basically su- suggests that he experiences racism on a daily basis, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and all of his family are slaves. And shrimping is a code for slavery, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. They discover that Jenny is does porn. Yeah. She's in a Playboy magazine. Uh, she is at a strip club and does a nude guitar performance. And is accosted by the audience. Yeah, she gets sexually harassed, but seems to like take it in stride and say it's just part of the job, kind of, mm-hmm. which is kind of depressing. She's uh, suicidal. Mm-hmm. She makes multiple attempts to consider that bridge jumping jumping off a bridge. scene was clunky. Which one? The one right after she's accosted at oh, the yeah, right. like, nude club. And then and she she's talks like, about being you think a I could fly off this bridge? Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? And then she just uh, gets in that guy's truck. She must have been friggin' high as hell, because like oh, no man. no person would say that in real life unless they were just 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 blasted out of their mind on something. It's all make believe, man. It's all make believe. Um, yeah, Jenny hitchhikes like for most of her life. Uh, Forrest goes to Vietnam. Lieutenant Dan just has all of his relatives died in the war, mm-hmm. and he sees that as his destiny, which is kind of dark. Uh, Forrest's platoon gets shot up and pretty much everybody dies except for him and Lieutenant Dan Mm -hmm. Uh, Napalm strikes also the parts where he's going in the little hidey holes and when he's in Vietnam he doesn't know what's going on there but that's like super dangerous oh yeah yeah so that's like a pretty dark joke in the movie that just like he's so dumb that he doesn't know what's up yeah he's he's almost like a little honey badger Mm -hmm. like like a wiener dog yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah even better that's what they were bred for <laughs> both both like long low riders yes yeah <laughs> um yeah bubba gets shot and his guts are falling out mm-hmm. forrest gets shot in the ass but doesn't understand that he's being shot at something bit my also the fact that he thinks like they they make a joke of it and that he just thinks they're looking for a guy named charlie mm-hmm. uh kind of dark Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lieutenant Dan loses his legs, gets depressed, becomes a drunk. He will want he wants to die. He kind of goes mad. Gump meets the Black Panthers. He meets the guy from the um can't remember the, the curly haired guy's name from the Chicago Seven. Yeah, I can't remember his name either. Yeah, uh, Abby Hoffman. That's kind of dark stuff. Especially like they don't really get into the Black Panthers at all. They just kind of like, hey, it's the Black Panthers and Gump wearing a military universe in uniform fight somebody in their meeting and nobody gets mad about it they're just kind of mm-hmm. like kick him out but it's like he would have that wouldn't i feel like that wouldn't go over well no that would have been a heated uh situation for yeah sure yeah so they're just kind of portrayed as a cartoonish stereotype really and they don't really get into the black panthers or what was going on uh institutionally mm-hmm. um oh jenny gets punched by a douche that guy who yep. she's like dating, I guess. And then goes back to him. And um, then he blames Lyndon B. Johnson for why yeah, he right. slapped her, which is like fucking insane. Yeah. Sorry, babe. I'm just stressed out because Johnson's a liar. Right, right. Yeah. Which is like, what a cop out. And, oh and Gump didn't even mention. It's like, I showed him my butt. He saw my butt. That's right. That's right. Also, that would have been big news at the time because everybody would have known that Gump showed his butt. Mm-hmm. So that guy would have known that too and would have been like, oh, you're the butt guy. Yeah. All of the Chinese like political goings on are kind of pushed to the wayside in favor of ping pong storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Lennon gets shot. Lieutenant Dan is homeless and in a wheelchair. Lieutenant Dan, who's already in a wheelchair and has no legs, is depressed, homeless, also falls down. 
on the ground. Yes. Um, he's basically on welfare and is essentially drunk all the time and is sleeping with uh, sex workers a lot. Uh, Gump witnesses Watergate. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he meets Richard Nixon. Oh, yeah. I'm, Suppo- not, I'm not there yet in the movie, but I, I no. forgot about that. That's insane. Supposedly, also in the book, uh, when he meets Nixon, Nixon tries to sell him a watch, which I feel like is like somewhat satirical. Yeah. Like there's some something to it there, whereas this, they kind of really don't do anything with Nixon, except for being like, oh, Gump was the guy who called about Watergate, which is stupid. That's insane. Yeah. And they also really spell it out for you because if it wasn't clear enough, then they just zoom in on the stationery. It was just like, he's at Watergate. Remember that? Ugh, this movie is too on the nose. A little and too on the nose. riddled with horrific uh, scenarios back to back to back to back. To oh, back. yes. Well, I'm, I'm almost done just going through this list of all the dark stuff that happens in the, in the movie. Um, Gump gets on his ping pong merch with uh, Chairman Mao. Mm-hmm. His mom is desperate for money, so she's fallen on at hard times while he's just living it, living it up elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks he's stupid for shrimping. Jenny's doing drugs, including heroin and coke. They show that. Yeah. And she almost commits suicide. Um, the boat storm happens. Lieutenant Dan has is a completely godless man. And uh, then the Hurricane Carmen ha- happens, and everybody is devastated except for Forrest Gump. Um, Ford's assass. There's two attempts on President Ford's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mama dies. Jenny returns home as AIDS. Question: Does she give it to Forrest? <laughs> oh or yeah, her, she or her child. Oh my god, her child. I'm getting they the really timeline. brush over that. Don't I'm getting they? the timeline a little bit different because she didn't have AIDS at the time. She has AIDS she- later when after the child is born. Right, right. But yeah, so we can I guess talk about that when we get to that. But yeah, she's. She gets angry at her own like old house. She throws rocks at it because it reminds her of the trauma that she is experiencing mm-hmm. or that she experienced as a child that probably is the movie seems to suggest is what made her the person she is, mm-hmm. which is very bleak. Oh yeah. She hasn't gotten over it, I guess. And then just kind of became a runaway who was a hippie. So it's like the movie almost suggests that a person like Jenny is, um, the way that they are because of the trauma that happened to them. I don't know if that's exactly what the movie's saying, but it seems like it suggests that on some level. Uh, anyway, Jenny leaves again. Um, President Carter passes out from exhaustion. Someone crashes into a truck that has a shit happens sticker on it. Not really a terrible thing, but, you know, that happens. But it's on the nose, which is terrible in and of itself. Yeah. Terrible a, filmmaking. I think I read somewhere there, there's a, supposed, uh, a scene about Martin Luther King that got cut out. Uh, that, that wouldn't IMDb. surprise me. I'm surprised MLK wasn't in the fucking movie. I know. That's what's weird about it. They talk about civil rights a little bit, but then they don't talk about Martin, Lu- Martin Luther King at all. I was kind of expecting like a Selma moment. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he just like walks through the Selma march by accident and he's like, yeah. what's going on? And he yeah. gets punched in the face by a cop or something. Like I thought the film, the film needed that. <laughs> yeah. It seemed like that was a weird, weirdly missing from all of that history, but maybe that's because all of the other political stuff that they went with were just white politicians. So maybe on some level there's like a, they were just trying to eliminate like the race conversation from the movie because otherwise the movie would be way darker than it is, which is mm-hmm. already like fairly dark. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Reagan kind of 
is gets assassinated, but that's kind of ignored. Uh, little Forrest is is born, may, might have AIDS. Forrest is mm-hmm. worried that he's an idiot. Uh, Forrest only gets to marry Jenny as she's dying of AIDS. Mm-hmm. He's loved her his entire life, wants to marry her, and she always turns him down. And then finally she marries him once she's dying. So Forrest kind of mm-hmm. gets uh, a bum deal f- for the first time in his life, I guess. Well, I guess mm-hmm. you know, he's not the first time in his life, but he, yeah, he just gets shat on. Uh, Jenny dies in mama's bed. So Forrest is essentially friend zoned once again. <laughs> <laughs> you have a way with words, Mike. Thank My you. God. Oh, uh, he's he, so eloquent. He buries Jenny and then he does this insane monologue where he talks about how it's like, is it fate or is it destiny? Maybe it's, or is it luck or is it destiny? Is kind of like the message of the little speech he does. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be, Maybe it's both, which is kind of like not really a a take to to come down on. Yeah, little Forrest goes to school. He's cute, Haley Joel Osment first acting role, but then also That's little right. Forrest has white male privilege in a slave state, and he's not aware of it at all. So he's just just as oblivious as Forrest. But maybe he grows up and I don't know becomes a civil rights crusader or something. I doubt it. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That's kind of like the the movie from front to back and all of the terrible stuff that happens. But mm-hmm. it's worth pointing out all of that terrible stuff happens. But boy, is the music good. Oh, yeah. The music's great. All, yeah. all the needle drops are really good. The yeah. scoring is great. Yeah, it's a good sounding movie. Well, I think that's the point, though, is that all of this terrible stuff happens. But because the soundtrack is so good and so nostalgic and so kind of boomery mm-hmm. it's like it appeals to because like boomer culture was just what things were in the 90s i guess whereas yeah. now now there's kind of like millennial culture is the culture so we look at boomer culture as this kind of outdated old people stuff whereas mm-hmm. back then it was just like this was just what was on tv all the time these kind of values this kind of these kind of stories and stuff but the music in this movie is so tied to all of those eras that, yeah, I feel like any darkness and satire in the film is kind of not erased, but is kind of sanitized by all the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Thoughts? That's true. No, I, I agree. Something I was thinking the whole time while I was watching was this film is a great example of how potent music is. Mm-hmm. And how it can really sort of fundamentally alter the meaning of a film or a scene or a character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, because the music makes the film feel like I would say the music is the main culprit why the book and the film differ so much in terms of tonality. Like even the scoring, the scoring is like your classic 90s family sentimental drama music. Oh, I know. It's so sentimental. Even when yeah. I, I was, I had it on with, um, captions sometimes when i was watching it um and whenever the the score comes on it says sentimental music plays oh my god jesus so it's Christ. like oh yeah well that's what it is yeah yeah that's interesting um yeah it very much it just feels weird man it feels super weird not, not good so well also one thing that's hilarious kind of and maybe also uh spells out the satirical angle of the film or the intentional satirical angle is that the music in the movie sometimes is like a counterpoint to what's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. Like for example, when he goes to Vietnam and the song is fortunate son by Creedence Clearwater. Mm-hmm. That's like an anti-war song. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know what the song is about. 
the that song is tied to the image of like military helicopters in my mind just because of this movie and i think a lot of mm-hmm. people miss that that uh like that song is not about war being good it's war being bad uh so i don't know it just you scoring that with with people going to war it's like obviously the the movie's judgmental of the vietnam war just as the song is but then i think some people don't interpret it that way and are just like sweet america's doing its business in in vietnam go america usa usa there's a like a tone deafness exactly yeah 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 so obviously that choice was made on purpose one assumes that zemeckis knew what was up with that song and what the mm-hmm. politics of that song were and so including that it, it makes yeah it makes uh, the movie have some sort of statement about the vietnam war but then i think people listening to the soundtrack are just like this song rocks well, the song on like on, just on the surface, it just endows the era without it actually yeah. meaning anything. Yeah, it's like playing, you know, like something by the Doors. Like there's just a list of songs that are just quint- quintessentially Vietnam. Yeah, and I think the Doors, Janis Joplin, Hendrix, uh, yeah, CCR. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like nobody's listening to the lyrics. No. But it is, yeah, so that's interesting that they'll show scenes of these characters walking through, like, the the forests of Vietnam while they play All Along the Watchtower, written by Bob Dylan, played by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think there is the cognitive dissonance of just, like, people forget what the song is about or, or what, the, what the artists kind of represented and mm-hmm. just buy into, like, the imagery of what you're watching. And it's like, oh, yeah, remember the 60s? Yeah, we used to listen to the Forrest Gump soundtrack at my house all the time because I my parents, it. my parents are boomers, uh, and the soundtrack was on permanent like replay whenever we went on road trips. So, well, it's a banger. I mean, the for the soundtrack is amazing, just like mm-hmm. nonstop greatest hits from the '60s all the way to the '80s. So yeah, because you've got like Elvis in there, mm-hmm. and then you've got all this good shit in the '60s and early '70s. You know, yeah. it's just nothing but bangers. Yeah, and I mean, what else are you going to do if you're making this movie? What would how hey, else? Yeah, are you... you're not going to play Beethoven. No, or I had a thought when I was watching this movie the other day. It was like, what would you? What would this movie be like if you took all the music out? It's just like that... they arrive in Vietnam. It's like the helicopter sounds, and there's no music playing. I think it would. The music would like the film would be so different without a score. Exactly. Yeah. Which isn't really a yeah. hot take. Just like, what would you do if you changed the sound design of a movie? It's like one of the fundamental parts of the movie. Being, I removed. think it would be a more scathing satire. Oh if yeah, there was no score. I it think would be, it'd be honestly maybe a better film. It would be way darker for sure. Yeah, it would have more to say. Yeah, which is hilarious. It's funny when you start removing things and the film becomes more concise. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of a funny inverse relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, the music really just, like, I think... Uh, I What do you think about the idea that maybe Zemeckis was putting the music in there as, like, a part of the satirical angle of the film? Just, like, it, the movie is so cynical that it's showing these situations, like, with the Vietnam War and then playing this music over top of it. And this guy is, who's an idiot is a hero. I don't know. You could definitely look at it that way. Again, I don't think Zemeckis did that. I don't think that was his intentionality at all. This film, if anything, the score and the music is an argument against the fact that it's a satire. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it was like the film sounds like a greatest hits. And I think a lot of it was just like picking cliches from every era. Yeah. Regardless of content. Yeah. I mean, 
Is the movie cynical though? Like the book is very much described as cynical by anybody who reviews it. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I really don't think the movie is cynical. I think it's, it's like nauseatingly optimistic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my takeaway just because the feeling you have while watching it because of the score, but also like Tom Hanks's performance and just sort of how the film is built. It's like, wow, even after all that life is all right. Yeah. Uh, which I think is stupid. Well, also movie. Also the, all of the politics of the movie, uh, if you remove them from the film and it's just about Forrest Gump, then the message of just like, Oh, stuff happened. It's, you know, your life isn't about destiny. It's about luck. Um, Mm -hmm. but then if you put the politics back in and you keep that message, it's like, well, are you, is the movie somehow suggesting that these, all of the terrible things that happen politically in the the country are also just kind of like stuff just happening. Obviously not. I think American imperialism and an American uh, uh, military industrial complex, like the CIA and the the Black Panthers, just like there's a there's malicious things going on behind the scenes. And uh, does dumb luck play into that? I guess is the question. That is the question, isn't it? I don't know. I don't, maybe, maybe it's just about the characters and not about the country. Yeah. I think like the film is too passive about all the political things that occur in, in, in the film Mm -hmm. that it's very much like, it's just about Forrest and the other characters and all of the sort of cultural milestones that occur in the film are irrelevant. They just happen to be happening because that's the given year of the story. Okay. Like, uh, maybe, maybe one way to look at the film is to sort of split it into like, there's like the character arc and then that narrative and then just all the shit that happens because that's the era, right? Because yes. again, this this film is just a nostalgic greatest hits of some of the most monumental moments of the 20th century. Right, right. But clumsily glued together in this two, two <laughs> and a half hour movie. I had a another take on the movie because I think Zemeckis, when he made Back to the Future, was tapping mm-hmm. into like this nostalgia for the 50s. Mm-hmm. I think he was also critical of the eighties at the time. Right. Right. Uh, with back to the future by, but using like, cause the people in the eighties were nostalgic for the, the days of the fifties. The mm-hmm. uh, and I think back to the future is kind of critical of just that American, uh, the, like the vibe that America was going through at the time. Whereas Forrest Gump is, was made in the nineties and seems to be kind of specifically about the sixties and then the seventies and eighties a little bit. So I do think it also is just tapping into like that nostalgia um, and trying to say something with it maybe, but then also failing and in the end kind of becoming kind of like a proto ready player one for boomers, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, using boomer history and music instead of pop culture, although with some pop culture, I guess. Uh, and I, I kind of wonder, maybe my take is that my hot take, did Zemeckis kind of start this uh, insane pop culture nostalgia boom that kind of hasn't gone away since the 80s i think he's part of it yeah because i don't he's one of the crucial players and he's also part of the spielberg ilk right yeah so and i think spielberg's a culprit of this as well um but they've like you know like those two have made some of the highest grossing most nostalgic films ever made well yeah the fact that spielberg made ready player one and yeah made uh forrest gump Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Forrest Gump hasn't returned. Me too. I, I wonder if they'll remake it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's all it's all fucked, man. Forrest Gump is fucked. So, question: Is it a good movie, though? Uh, I think it is well done because the intention of the film was achieved. Okay. How's that for an answer? What's the intention? What's the intention? I think the intention was to make like a early 90s family sentimental drama about Mm -hmm. a doofus. Right. And they did it. And then they Mm -hmm. won like nine Oscars or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Is is the movie judgmental of Forrest for becoming rich uh, just passively? Because the movie seems very calculating in how that it achieved its success. Even to the point where uh, Tom Hanks himself invested some of his own money for bonus points on the movie and made right. like hundreds of millions of dollars off of it. It doesn't feel critical at all mm-hmm. about that. No. Yeah. It's like you could see it as some something that's like, oh, a dumb guy becomes like a god in America, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's like critical of America or it's just mm-hmm. let's make some cash off of this. Well, definitely, I think that's part of it. Yeah. It's just like a boomer greatest hits. Yeah. And it, and it did a really good job of achieving that. Because Forrest becomes a messiah by the end of the movie, like when he's running across the country and he's got the beard on and people are just blindly following them. And then when he yep. stops to be like, I'm tired, they were waiting for him to say something like profound, deep, profound. but he's just like, I just ran across the country. And he united the country in doing it. Yeah. Yeah, what do you what do you, what's your rating for Forrest Gump? I don't know, man. I have conflicting views because I I have like how I watched it as a kid, I'd be like this is a four-star movie. Yes. But yeah. now to me it feels like it's very well done. It's a well-done mm-hmm. film. But it's the most muddled hodgepodge piece of like intellectual garbage I've ever seen. Yeah. So I feel conflicted. I'm like it could be a four-star film if you look at it as like what it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Or if you look at it as this like muddled mess of Americana, then it's like a two star movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel conflicted because I I can I can like watch it simultaneously as both viewers. Yeah, like ten year old Bob or me now, they yeah. very much watch them differently. Yeah, but I can do that simultaneously, so it's kind of hard to rate. I agree. It is kind of like the problem with the film in in totality is the the nostalgia mm-hmm. and so yeah that's why the message of the film is muddled because the nostalgia for the music and the events are kind of like yeah the nostalgia is like ever present mm-hmm. uh and that kind of makes everything just kind of vague whereas uh also as a person who watched this a lot as a, a child i can watch the movie now as an adult be aware of more of the historical references the movie's making like i get all of the things that it's talking about. Whereas when I was a kid, I didn't really understand any of them. Yeah, same. But same. my attachment to the movie is still the same where I still, I'm just like, by the end of watching, I'm like, ah, oh, it was it's still good. I don't know. Even though it's, I know it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's weird because like I'm watching it now and I'm just like, this is a good movie. Yeah, it's good. Like but, I'm, I'm entertained. But I guess the point maybe is something that Forrest himself reinforces is like, it's good if you don't think about it too much. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you think and about it too much, maybe then that's the movie how you're is supposed bad. to watch the movie. That was maybe, the meaning of it. Maybe the movie is like, you are Gump. Because at, at the beginning of the movie, Mama says, you're, you're no different than anybody else. So Gump is all of us. So when we watch Gump, we are Gump. Mm-hmm. You know? And we're all part of the culture that he's kind of illustrating for us. Mm-hmm. 
and we're loving it. We're eating it up. We're salivating. We're gobbling up like a milk bone. Yeah, exactly. We're dogs, dirty cinephile dogs. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> is this still a movie like you would you know show somebody who's never seen it? And if it is, how would you contextualize it before t- putting it on? I feel like t- to me the satirical elements or the cynical elements are what makes it interesting because mm-hmm. I think that they're definitely there. Because mm-hmm. the movie doesn't sugarcoat a lot of the the, the historical stuff, and just also the, the way that it portrays Lieutenant Dan up until he like quote unquote finds God mm-hmm. uh, is like very very dark. Yeah, and so I don't know. I think that yeah, I would po- probably point out the cynicism in it because I think that's the stuff that I appreciate about it. Because otherwise, yeah. it's just kind of like a overly sentimental pro-america mess which i don't think the movie is i just think that the message kind of gets lost by the music mm-hmm. um because it's like hey remember this song remember this and i do remember i do this? remember this because i lived through it yeah because i'm as old as gump himself you're not nearly as good at ping pong though no i'm no i'm really bad i'm really bad yeah well i uh i agree i agree yeah gump gump rocks Gump is a great film. Please go watch it, everybody. Please, give it a please, rewatch. Yeah, give Gump a rewatch. I'd be interested to hear what you think about it because it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, a wild movie. Also, was um, Pulp Fiction robbed? Because it, not that the Oscars mean anything to us because they don't really, but also Pulp Fiction was nominated for Best Picture and uh, Forrest Gump won. And people were mad at the time. And people are still I, mad about I, it. I think Pulp Fiction's a better movie. Yeah. Hmm. But of course, how can you? the The more vanilla film usually wins. But also, Pulp Fiction itself is a, a and Quentin Tarantino as a filmmaker is also someone who's kind of uh, plagued by nostalgia to a fault. I would say. Totally, totally. Like he but has, he's more clever. He's a little bit more clever about it for sure. Yeah, Zemeckis in this film was, or whoever wrote it, it was like a yeah. The nostalgia was wielded like a blunt tool that kind of hit you over the head a lot of the time. So, But Tarantino uses cinematic nostalgia, whereas Zemeckis was just using like American history nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Right? So their their approach is different. But yeah, they're both plagued by the same thing for sure. Yeah. And that's a that's a whole, whole other segment of an episode. So maybe... That's right. Maybe we'll do a part two. What was it? 1994? Mm, yeah. Yeah, 1994. Also, also another movie that kind of lived and died by its soundtrack, too. Oh, yes, absolutely. So those movies aren't so different. And I understand uh, Tarantino himself thought Forrest Gump deserved it, or or at least thought it was... Like, I think he could see the cynicism in the film, which I think mm-hmm. is the strong one of the stronger points of the film. Yeah. I think Tarantino could see that from what I read. Who knows? I'm not him, thankfully. Neither... Neither am I. Yeah, and that's that's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, this feels over. This feels over. All right, thanks, everybody, <laughs> for listening. Send us an email from justintocane at gmail.com. Or DM us on the gram. Yeah, DM us on the gram from Justin Kane with a number two. And uh, yeah, let's come back next week to a, another theoretically regular episode. Mm-hmm. And thanks for listening to us talk gump. Gump. Yeah, this was the Gump cast, and we did it after talking about it for two years. Yeah, finally. Um, uh, great. Yeah, great. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Oh, no, 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 no.